Hi, I'm Ben Rizzuto, wealth strategist at Janice Henderson Investors. Is a brighter future possible? At Janice Henderson, we think it is. For 90 years, we've worked to help clients achieve superior financial outcomes and fulfill our purpose of investing in a brighter future together. We know that this means our thinking and our investments are helping to shape millions of futures. At Janice Henderson, we are committed to helping you invest in a brighter future for the next 90 years and beyond. To learn more, go to JaniceHenderson.com. I'm Scott Wapner, and you're listening to CNBC's Halftime Report, the podcast, the most profitable hour of the trading day. We record this live weekdays at 12 Eastern. Listen in. Welcome to the Halftime Report. I'm Scott Wapner, front and center this hour, why a star analyst just cut Apple's price target, what it means if you own the stock, and some of the other fangs. We debate that with our investment committee this hour. And joining me today, Stephanie Link, Sarat Sethi, John Najeri, and Josh Brown. Take you to the wall, show you what we're doing here. The S&P hitting another new record high today. Dow's a little bit negative right now. The Nasdaq's up 70. Rates are a bit lower. 166 is the yield on the 10-year note. But, Josh, I'm focused on this note today because it's from the number one Apple analyst, the new number one, by the way, Katie Huberty, Morgan Stanley, her first price target cut from her since April of 2020. So it's been a year. It's about services. It's about multiples being compressed and why this stock, even though she is optimistic, is going to come in. Or at least she sees upside, but she's brought the price target down. What do you think? I read it. I don't really think she's saying anything. I think from time to time, analysts have to fine tune their estimates and maybe take into account some of the stuff they're seeing in the macro economy or the rest of the market and how it might affect their existing price target on a stock, which is what happened here. But her bull case is still like $217 a share, which is almost a double from its current levels. So her like base case, I guess, is like mildly not quite the same, but like there's nothing in here. They just they're generating trading activity on the desk. Um, when you look at what she's really saying, Judge, she's basically saying that some of the comps for Apple's services business right. have seen um, have seen multiple compression. That it's not an Apple issue. It has nothing. She's just saying like all the great news on how well the company is um, performing fundamentally might get somewhat offset by some multiple compression for other companies and services. There's there's nothing in there. The big picture is that 80% of their products are in a refresh cycle from within the last 12 months. They are absolutely crushing it across the board, no matter what uh, line of business you want to look at. And I think if you're an investor and you make sales on a call like this, you really should give the money to somebody else to manage for you. But this, this really, Steph, is as Josh said, and we've had this conversation a lot, about multiples being compressed across, you know, a fair amount of the tech space. And now taking a look at the, the comps, as Josh was, was saying. And by the way, we went to Morgan Stanley and said, well, well, which comps are we talking about, really, when it comes to the services business? Because it wasn't in the note and it wasn't exactly clear as to which stocks you should be comparing, whether it was apples to apples or apples to oranges. It's Netflix, it's Tencent, it's Spotify, <laughs> it's Snapchat. And it's Twitter. So those are the ones we're talking about. None of those are comps, by the way. From a services side, (laughs) she says they they are, right? I thought she was talking about the fangs. They say no. From a services standpoint, Steph, these are the ones we're talking about. Yeah, I thought it was a pretty confusing note, quite frankly. We always like it when an analyst raises raises numbers. But 
Uh, multiples are coming down, but technology in general has been has been coming down because the economic growth has been actually going up, right? And rates are going up, and we're starting to see a little bit of inflation. So you had a correction in tech. Apple trades absolutely in line with the rest of tech. I would just say it's actually now 6% of my benchmark, which is huge, and everybody is there. So it doesn't take much for this thing to pull back. That being said, as Josh mentioned, the fundamentals are still strong. She is still bullish. In fact, I'm thinking I'm market weight, right? Just because I'm trying to be prudent. Yeah, you're not as bullish of my portfolio. You're probably the least bullish bullish. Apple person on the show today. Yeah, I'm I'm not as bullish because it's had a nice run. Everybody knows about the iPhone the cycle. Um, we know about services. I I am encouraged that services actually uh, continues to grow, and that's where she's raising the numbers, and that's important because it's an important part of the story. But I'm not going to put more than six percent in my portfolio when I only have 44 names. Number one. However, that being said. The fact that the stock is down 13% and the S&P is up 7% since the last quarter, that's sort of kind of interesting to me, right? And we do know the services numbers are really good. They're going to have four quarters in a row of north of 20% growth for a company this size. So if anything, I might go a little bit the other way and get a little more bullish. Let's just see uh, going forward. But um, I, I just I was sort of confused by the note overall today. Yeah. What about you, Surat? You, you own Apple as well. What do you make of this call, right? I mean, anytime the number one rated do, analyst right? in, in any space makes a call, it's, it's newsworthy, especially when it comes related to Apple, the most valuable company out there, and the fact that it is a price target reduction from 164 to 156, albeit the rating remains overweight. Uh, you know, I'm with Josh and Steph. I was quite confused as to the purpose of the note, but then sometimes you realize that on the sell side, you've got to get some material out. I think she's hitting on all the right uh, points there. I think services are going to do really well. I think we're coming out of a, a quarter where consumers are starting to you know, spend more money again. Uh, you know, the other side of the case is, hey, there are other opportunities out there. And as more money comes into our system through stimulus and a lot was spent on Apple products, how much is the real growth rate going forward? It's not that it's not growing. It's just a question of, Again, do I look at and say, do I, are there other opportunities in the tech sector and other growth sectors that could be a little more compelling than an Apple, even though, you know, you still want to hold the Apple? All right. John Nigerian. So you sold Apple calls at 125 and 130. You noted when Berkshire trimmed their Apple position too that day. I remember we were having that conversation. So what do you make of, of yes, Huberty's note here? I mean... This is the gospel, according to your brother. So are you dismissive of the note like virtually everybody else on the show is today? Because that's the vibe I get. Well, and uh, I just heard uh, all three, but in particular, Surratt say, you know, that there needs to be communication between the analyst um, and the community that follows him or her. And in this case, her, Katie Huberty Um, and Judge. I I don't think she's wrong at all. Uh, I think this one's going to meander for a bit. I think Warren Buffett was wise, um, as he usually is, prudent about either taking some profits or cutting losses. And in this case, I think he was just trimming some profits. The position just became so big for him. And I think, you know, right now, Judge, I'm getting 3% for selling a one-month-out call, those uh, May calls. I did it when Warren Buffett uh, got out, and I chased him down from 135 on down to 125. And now with the stock at 126, 127, I like again. 
staying in these calls, laddering in these calls, and collecting 3% for letting the stock sit there, if that's what it does for a month. Because, Judge, when you, when you put a, a calculator to it, I'm double-digit returns that I'm creating through those call sales, as well as a decent dividend that I'd say is extremely safe. I agree with everybody about services being huge. I think uh, Tim Cook is likely to say more about how Apple's going to integrate with automobiles and whether or not they're making their own or making them with uh, Mercedes-Benz or Hyundai or whomever that it might be. I think that's all you know, upside from here and not priced in at all. But I think services and the rest will drive this story going forward. Well, Josh, multiples need to be justified now more than they have been in the last 12 months, right? 18 months. That's a fair statement, right? I mean, we had all this multiple expansion on Apple and all these other names, especially out of the NASDAQ and the NASDAQ 100, and now they need to be justified. And if multiples have compressed across the spectrum, why wouldn't multiples compress for a stock like Apple, though Jim Cramer suggests this morning that, you know, he, he said, he, I wouldn't be surprised if Apple has an upside surprise when it reports earnings. That's what it may take. Yes. Earnings are going to have to just put up or shut up, right? Earnings have to meet a, the expectations a, of where the multiples have expanded to. It's a funny way of putting that. And I guess my answer to that would be, can you think of another company that exists on the planet right now that's done more to justify its multiple than Apple. Like, honestly, can you think of any company that's worthy of a premium to its sector uh, or, or to the overall S&P? I can't. Think of a company with a, a franchise as enduring as this one, consumer lock-in as ironclad as this one. They really have no competitors for most of what they do. They have uh, customers for life. They have a monopoly on arguably the most valuable marketplace since ancient Rome. Uh, which is the App Store, literally a third of all revenue consistently holds up in court battles with video game companies and social networks. They, they're taking a third of the revenue of everyone who wants to have an app on that uh, marketplace. And if you don't have an app on that marketplace, you basically don't exist. So like, I, I just, I, I, it's just hard for me to understand somebody who would come along and say, um, Apple's multiple is not, it's highly justified. The real question, Judge, I think you raised later in your statement, which is that earnings have to still come through because you could be just as bullish on Apple with a, a 24 times versus a 34 times uh, earnings multiple. But that would be a huge difference in the well, stock price. Let me ask you so this. I do think they have to keep delivering. But when have they not? It, I can't even think of a time. So the stock right now is a forward P.E. of of. 29. I'm going to call it 29. What was that? 28.4? Is that where it was? Let's throw that back up, if you guys don't mind, please. So where does it get the higher multiple from? It gets a higher multiple, doesn't it, Josh, from the outlook and the expectations for the services business, the very one we're talking about? I mean, the iPhone's the iPhone, right? If Apple's going to be a higher want, growth company, if it's going to be a higher growth company into the future, it's going to come from the services side, isn't it? It is, and, and services are a lot more profitable historically than selling things like iPads. Although Apple has maintained margins for consumer electronics for a length of time that is absolutely mind-blowing relative to the history of this space. Um, but the, let's, let's not kid ourselves. For all the talk about a tech bubble and a blow-up in tech valuations and a blow-up in tech multiples, look what's happening today with, with the highest multiple technology stocks. They're ripping. They're all up between 5 and 10% as the, the, the ascent of Treasury yields has slowed down. The XLK 
is in within spitting distance of of another record high. So all that talk about a tech blow up, it's just not what's apparent on my screen. Facebook, Google, all these stocks made new highs last week. You even have Oracle breaking out, which is not a high multiple tech stock, but it's a, it's a stock that's been left for dead for the last 10 years. That stock's on fire right now. So tech is fine. And among technology names, uh, if Apple continues to put up the numbers it does with the consistency with which it puts those numbers up, the stock price is going to take care of itself. One other thing on Berkshire trimming. <laughs> 38% of Berkshire's invested assets are in Apple. Yeah, I know. They have I no know. choice. It's all with an asterisk. And, I get and, it. I get it. And then when Apple does buybacks, Berkshire ends up with an even greater proportion of ownership of the company, which I don't think it wants. I don't think they want to own 50% of Apple by virtue of buybacks. So those, that, that trimming should be expected. So I think the story is still pristine. Uh, I'm not saying it's the cheapest stock on earth. I'm just saying, you ask me, do they have to justify their mobile uh, 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 multiple? I say, who else has like this company? Yeah, uh, look, your point's well taken, too, on where tech is, right, Steph? I mean, software has had a nice little bounce back. The semis have had a nice, bou- nice, nice bounce back. NASDAQ and NASDAQ 100 are up about 5% over the past week. So then I, I bring you this question then, Steph, and it's, it picks up where Mike Santoli left off yesterday with whether stocks are in this sweet spot right now in part because you've now had tech get a little pickup and you've got other parts of the market doing well small caps etc or if this is as good as it gets what do you think i don't think it's as good as it gets but by the way let's just keep in mind that the xlk is still up six percent but energy is still up 30 percent year to date right and financials are up more uh, double digits um, and uh, materials as well as industrials so the cyclical parts of the economy in the first quarter outperformed growth no question about it now you're having a little mean reversion and that's fine and i do like a broad market in general um i prefer a stock pickers market in general but um i I'm, i'm supportive of that I don't think this is as good as it gets. I think the debate is because the economic data is clearly getting better, and we saw that with ISM manufacturing at a 38-year high, ISM services was the best on record, the jolts number today, 5% growth year over year. I mean, just think about where we were last year at this time. So really good stuff coming out of the economy, and the stimulus is working. We've talked about that. The big question, though, now, and I, and I saw it on Friday, there's this pivot of a discussion that if because we have such good economic data, when does the Fed pull away from accommodation? I think we're a mile away. I really do. I think they're going to let inflation run hot. Right. I think they're hoping for a little bit more inflation. Right. I'm hoping for a little bit more inflation. I think you're right. So I don't think that this is as good as it gets because I think earnings go up and back to this multiple compression. I've been saying for a long time, earnings are going to be better than expected. 30% growth this year, right? We're not going to get multiple expansion for the entire market. We're just not going to do it. That's not the name of the game in this part of the cycle. But if earnings are going higher, stocks will go higher. We may kind of have some bumpy, choppy times, but stocks go higher, especially with liquidity on our side. But I mean, you got to admit, you know, you, if you do 10% GDP in, in the current quarter, you may not do that again. We just did the ISM services print, the best on record. You may not do that again, right? So in some senses, the economy may be as good as it gets. That doesn't mean it's going to fall off a cliff. It may not just feel as fabulous as those numbers would suggest. So then you ask your question, well, how much much has the market anticipated that already? 
Yeah, well, that's, we're up 82% from the March low, Scott. So absolutely, we're anticipating better growth. By the way, yeah. I'm not rooting for 10% growth every single quarter, nor, nor, nor are you probably, because that will lead to much, much higher inflation. But again, the, the question is, is this as good as it gets? And then when does the Fed pull away? And then, oh, by the way, now taxes are now top of mind, of at least in some of my colleagues, myself as well. I think we're going to be able to handle that. But now there are the question marks. That's why I think that uh, there are some surveys out there, like the RBC survey today, that was a little more muted, but it's still bullish. Yeah, it's still bullish. But but John Barclays is out today right before we came on the air with a note that says the Biden taxes would shave 8% from EPS in 2022. That has real ramifications for stocks. Now, the market in some respects is obviously voting and saying, well, we don't think that the Biden tax cuts are going to happen anywhere near the degree that the president thinks they might or certainly wants them and wishes them to. And that's why the stock market is where it is. If it really thought that you were going to have some transformational tax changes, the stock market would already be anticipating that, right? Right, Scott. Um, And I think what the president has laid out is a prudent plan uh, in terms of paying for um, some of this massive spending that we've got, even though uh, the spending happens over seven years and the payments, uh, if we were able to collect those taxes, would occur over 15 years. But you're right. The market is saying right now, we don't really think that this would happen, certainly not this year. Um, Could it happen next year? Very unlikely also, Scott, because we're going into midterms in 2022. So I don't think we're going to see it happening in either of these two years. The market being a forward-looking instrument is saying that, you know, we do need to find ways to pay for it. We don't think it happens this year in the midst of us coming out of the pandemic. We don't want to just hit the brakes really hard. And the likelihood of that occurring during midterms is likewise not very good. Yeah, so I mean, you're depends. exactly right. The we, market is saying, yeah, we, the market is handicapping it, saying don't think it's going to happen. Right. I mean, Biden's going to try and get done what he wants to get done while he can get it done. Right. He may not have a majority, yes, um, e- even though it's a, you know, it's a tie tiebreaker in the Senate. He may not have that in in after the midterm elections. He's going to try and get done what he wants when he wants. Uh, He may not be thinking about what the other implications of that are, whether the stock market's going to like it, et cetera, or or what have you. Now, what do you take, though, Surratt, from the fact that you've got a pretty broad swath of stocks hitting new new highs this week? Facebook, Alphabet, Microsoft. Talk about those ad nauseum. I totally get it. But talk about these sectors, right? A lot of home builders, a lot of retailers, shippers, financials, semis, healthcare, materials, a lot of big name stocks that our, our viewers own, Surratt, are hitting new highs this week. That's got to be a bullish sign. It is a bullish sign. And I think the points that we've been talking about is what is the market believing going forward in terms of interest rates? Are they going to be going up or is this just a transient time of higher inflation? And and that's why you're seeing a broad based rally, not just in financials and cyclicals and energy, but you're also seeing it in the technology side. And I think the other side, you know, consumer staples is is another area that that I think uh, our, our viewers should also look at. What we're having is Earnings are strong. They're going to get stronger. And I think going forward where investors should look for is what what are going to be some of the headwinds. But at the same time, we've got an economy that is thriving and and all sectors right now seem to be participating in it, too, which is a good thing. And, And even if multiples don't expand, I want to get back to this multiple idea. 
if your earnings are expanding, your stocks are going to grow as fast as your earnings. And, and, and I think that's something we got to look forward to because right now those headwinds are not there and the market could, you know, will go forward. And, and for those who are invested, they're, they're going to partake in the growth. OK, so you sound pretty bullish. You sound pretty positive on the market. I, right? I am. Right. Right. Then, then answer, I, me, answer I, me this I, I, question. I'm, I'm, answer me this question. All right. Yeah. When was the last stock? What was the last stock you bought and when was it? Well, I mean, in the new accounts coming in, uh, I'm buying kind of our, our portfolio, but I'm buying, you know, whether it's Qualcomm, I, you know, it's Illumina, uh, I, I'm buying Lowe's. Uh, so, uh, you know, spreading it across, uh, I, I'm not really, I'm buying financials. I mean, uh, JP Morgan, Morgan Stanley, Prudential. That's new money? All the stocks that That's that new I, money I, you're putting to work? I don't want you to go down the, the, the book of all the stocks you owned. Well, on my sheet, it says you have no moves. <laughs> you have no new moves. No, meaning... <laughs> Well, for new money, yes, no new, new, new ideas. But if people add capital, yeah, I'm putting the money to work. You are putting the money to work. Okay. At, at the current, yeah. current levels yeah. of the stocks you're talking about, you're, you're, you're not hesitant to buy more of the stocks you want. No, uh, I, I'm not hesitant to buy these stocks. Uh, if I'm wrong for the next you know, couple, quarter and the market pulls back, I'll add more to them. But these are the companies that I like. Sorry. I just wanted to make sure I understood exactly where we're coming from. Stephanie Link, you bought Best Buy yeah. for the first time ever. Tell me why. Yeah, I, I, uh, I've never owned it, um, and I missed a lot of money along the way, but I still think that this stock is very attractive. It's a stay-at-home stock. It's also a reopened stock, trading at 16 times with a 2.4% dividend yield and a $2 billion buyback. Traffic and store closures, we know that's been the headwind. As we reopen, that's going to become a tailwind. Digital has gone from, in e-commerce, has gone from 19% of total to 43% of total. Uh, buy online, pick up at stores, 48% of e-commerce, and that's humming along. Um, they've lowered their cost structure because they did have a lot of uh, layoffs, unfortunately, but they lowered their cost structure. Inventories are lean. In fact, if anything, I think the supply chain constraints might hurt them a little bit, but I think uh, investors are going to look through it. I certainly will. And I think it's important to know that the vendors don't want just Walmart and Amazon to run the show. And so they do support Best Buy and are providing them with product. So I like the story. I think it's reasonably priced. Uh, they have easy comparisons in the next two months. It gets harder in the second half of the year, but I think that's already factored into the numbers. How are you thinking about some of those stocks that I mentioned are hitting new all-time highs, Stephanie? Um, ones like, and I think you, do you own United Rentals and Stanley Black & Decker? One or the other, both, neither? I own Stanley Black & Decker. I don't own United Rentals, although that was my final trade last week. I okay, own Cat. I, I own Deer. That. I own a ton of industrials. So, yeah, but Stanley I do because it is a for do-it-yourself, stay-at-home, 30% of their tools and storage business is Home Depot and Lowe's. So I get that exposure. But they also have an infrastructure business and an energy business. And so that's reopen. And this company has positively surprised and pre-announced in the last two quarters. Who's doing that, right? These guys are definitely doing it. And I just don't think it gets all the credit. It's up about 14% on the year, but it did nothing last year. So I think that there's more to go there. I really do like that story quite a bit. Yeah, John, what about these, the home builders? The you know, the home builder ETF is one of those at net new highs as of yesterday. A lot mm -hmm. of the stocks within it, Lennar, which you have calls in and things related to it, like Lowe's, mm -hmm. for example, which you also own calls. That's a new uh, all time high as well. What are you doing with those now? Holding them, Scott. Um, I, I, I in particular, I love that the interest rates have come back and uh, uh, rather than running away to the upside. So that's been good um, for both of those companies in particular. And, you know, uh, I, I 
just keep waiting for the moment when I have to pull the trigger on Home Depot because it's just been a sideways mover, Scott. And I, if I saw some big institutional volume in there, I'd love to get back into that name. But like you say, Lowe's, I'm willing to stick with that. Um, if we start to see some other home builders catching bids on the institutional side, I'd be happy to chase into those too because rates are not running away from us. And that's a good thing for both the home builders and for the people that supply the stuff like Lowe's and Home Depot. Masco, Honeywell, Surratt, you own those? Mm-hmm. I do. Um, and I own Lowe's as well. And I like Honeywell as well. I think Honeywell is going to be one of these stocks that's going to earn into its multiple and multiple ran ahead of itself. Uh, I think that's a great area there. I, I agree with John. Uh, I think people are going to spend more money as and we've seen the real estate cycle keep on extending. So if interest rates stay at bay, which they look like they are, um, you know, the, there, there are enough people out there putting money into their homes and buying new homes that I think we've got an extended stay on some of these stocks. Okay. We'll take a quick break. Still ahead, the big street calls of the day. John's got unusual activity as well, and we are taking your questions as always. You can always watch or listen to us live as well on the go on the CNBC app. We're back right after this. Old Dominion Freight Line was built on keeping promises. With an industry-leading on-time delivery record and low claims rate, we keep promises better than any other LTL freight carrier because we treat every shipment like it's our most important one which means we do the little things right so that we can keep our promises and you can keep yours too. That's what drives us. To learn how OD can help your business keep its promises, visit odfl.com. Old Dominion, helping the world keep promises. What does it mean to be rich? Maybe it's less about reaching a magic number and more about discovering the magic in life. At Edward Jones, our dedicated financial advisors are the people you can count on for financial strategies that help support a life you love. Because the key to being rich is knowing what counts. Learn more about our comprehensive approach to planning at edwardjones.com slash findyourrich. Edward Jones, member SIPC. I'm Leslie Picker, and here's your CNBC News update at this hour. A possible witness in the Derek Chauvin trial says he'll invoke his Fifth Amendment right against self-incrimination if he is asked to testify. Another witness has testified right. that Maury's Hall sold drugs to George Floyd, and there are indications Hall may have been the source of the counterfeit $20 bill Floyd tried to pass. The U.S. and Iran are expected to hold indirect talks in Vienna today as part of broader negotiations to revive the 2015 nuclear deal between Tehran and global powers. Israel's president has selected Prime Minister Benjamin Netanyahu to form a new government. This after another inconclusive election deepened political stalemate in Israel. And Dutch police say they've arrested a suspect in the theft of two valuable paintings, including one by Van Gogh. The works were stolen from two different museums last year, which were both closed at the time due to pandemic lockdowns. Both paintings remain missing. Scott, I will say Amsterdam uh, has some of the best Van Gogh work of art I've ever seen. So it's very sad to see those uh, go missing. Yeah. He'll find him. Leslie, thank you. <laughs> Leslie Picker. All right, let's get to Phil LeBeau with a news alert on General Motors. Hey, Phil. Hey, Scott. Take a look at shares of General Motors moving higher. And again, this is about EV optimism. It's being stoked by a press conference that's actually taking place right now at the company's Detroit Hamtramck plant. That plant is where they're going to be building a number of electric vehicles. GM calls it 
Project Zero. Well, Mark Royce, the president of GM, announcing that they're going to be building the Hummer SUV at that plant. Uh, and we saw that revealed over the weekend. That's not terribly new. But what is interesting is that this is the plant where they will build the Chevy Silverado all-electric edition of the Chevy Silverado. No details in terms of when that uh, pickup truck will come out. It's been expected that they would eventually build an electric uh, Silverado. So that announcement also made, by the way, the Hummer EV SUV delivery start in 2023. For General Motors, we've talked about this for some time. They're ramping up their EV production and sinking a ton of money into EVs. $27 billion through 2025, $7 billion alone this year, rolling out 30 models worldwide, two-thirds of them in North America, and then there's the Ultimium battery plant that will be coming online uh, within the next year in Northeast Ohio. Expect other battery plants as well. And this is what it comes down to when you look at the electric vehicle market. Who can bring down their battery pack costs as quickly as possible? I love this chart. It's from Cairn Energy Research Advisors, and it essentially shows what you have right now is a race between GM and Tesla, and Tesla is projected to have the lowest cost, but not by a lot over General Motors by 2030, and then you've got the rest of the industry. And that's why people are moving into shares of General Motors, Scott, because they're looking at GM and they're saying they've got the technology, they've got the deep pockets, and they're making the investments, and we think that eventually it's going to pay off. So again, that announcement taking place as we speak in Detroit. Scott? Appreciate it, Phil. Thank you. Interesting news. I mean, Josh, at at some point, you got to figure that all of this EV good news is baked. I mean, right? I mean, it's like every day there seemingly is a new positive announcement relative to General Motors that the stocks have doubled over the last six months. Yeah, so I I bought this in in the high 30s. At first, I bought it for technical reasons on the breakout. Like, I understood all the EV stuff, but this stock was not moving on EV news at all. It was really like Tesla's ball game and then all those those SPACs. Uh, but then this like kind of overnight became a stock that moves on EV. So you saw a huge rally in, in GM on Tesla's deliveries news, which I found really interesting. So I do think it's a new paradigm for this stock. I do think that there is the chance for it to become untethered from the way it's historically been valued as a legacy internal combustion engine name. I think they will start to treat it more like a technology name. I wouldn't go overboard with what that might mean for valuation, but uh, my plan is to hold this stock for as long as it's in an uptrend, and uh, it looks fantastic right now. So I'm sticking with it, and I don't think that we've seen all the benefits of the transformation that Mary Barra is, is trying to engineer here. I think it's just getting started. John, your long calls in GM. Yeah, I'm long calls in GM, Scott, and... Loving it, quite frankly. Uh, I also thought that what Phil talked about, about factory zero, they're calling it or whatever, um, the fact that they're talking about one million EVs delivered by 2025, that's an ambitious number. Obviously, it took Musk a long time to uh, get to 750,000 vehicles. So if these guys can actually do that, get to a million vehicles between that Silverado and the Hummer, there's huge demand. And then, like Josh said, the other 28 models that they're going to be bringing out, um, I think this is great news for General Motors, great news for America. I love that it's an American company. Yeah. Hey, so, hey Judge, one yeah. more thing on this. Yeah. One, one more thing on this. John, John, I'm sorry to step on the, the end of that. Um, but I, I just want to point out no, okay. the, the EV stuff 
is not really moving the needle yet, fundamentally. The rest of their business, their legacy business, is absolutely on fire. You can't get a truck. Everybody wants larger, more spacious trucks. Me and Terranova go to the same dealership. We were both up for, for, for a new uh, Tahoe. You can't get them. I just, put, I just put down a deposit for a vehicle. They're telling me they'll probably deliver September or October when my lease is up. That's like a five-month lead time, and it's the same for virtually all of their trucks, and they really don't make cars anymore. That's like all they make. So that is the fundamental <laughs> dynamic underpinning this rally. If you think this stock has doubled just because of uh, an electric Hummer, you have no idea how strong everything they're doing is right now. Yeah. Good points. I'm glad you made them. Surat, do you have anything to add to either what either Josh or, or John said? I, I have just a couple of points. I mean, you know I've owned this stock for five years. I've been dead money for four. One thing you got to look at GM and why we love this stock <laughs> is not just the management here, the balance sheet, right? And, and if you look at what's happening here in the business, the business is throwing off a ton of cash flow, and that is funding the future growth. That's the type of company you want to have. They don't need, they're not dependent on the capital markets. It's a company that is firing all cylinders and can and it can really fuel their growth by the cash flow they currently have. So it's a core holding. It's a top five holding. I add to this one. I, I think you want to own this for a while. Okay. It's at the highs of the day is General hey, Motors. Hey, Scott. Yeah, Steph. I would just say you could throw a dart at almost any auto company for the last six, eight months because and, and, and have made money, um, pretty much so anyway. Um, I happen to own Active, and the stock has been an absolute home run. But the reason is because you went from 7.7 .7 million North America SAR to 17 million last month alone. That inflection, that V-shaped recovery is really what's fueling uh, to Josh's points, really fueling this industry. And we've talked about auto being a huge story in the economy, and uh, it, directs, it, it actually ties directly to housing, right? If you buy a house, you most likely are going to buy a car. And what do we know about housing? Housing's also on fire. It might, might be pl pl plateauing a little bit, but it's still quite strong. So I would just say that the auto theme is alive and well. I think you do want to be a little bit more valuation-centric and sensitive, but I still like the theme for 2021. Okay, good stuff. Good to hear from everybody. Again, highs of the day for shares of GM. Up next, a bullish outlook for another consumer stock. It's hitting all-time highs today. It is our call of the day as a result. And a reminder, April is Financial Literacy Month. CNBC committed to sharing messages from business leaders about the importance of financial education. Here's the chief economic advisor of Allianz, Mohamed El Arian. Financial education is important to play both better offense, better defense. Better offense, earn, manage, and protect your money better. Better defense, avoid three big traps. The debt trap, when you get into too much debt. The inflation trap, when you can't protect your wealth enough. And the liquidity trap, when suddenly you have a payment and you can't find the money to do it. B2B selling is tougher than ever, and we feel your pain. If you're struggling to close deals, consider giving LinkedIn Sales Navigator a shot. This sales intelligence platform helps professionals like you engage high-value customers, drive higher revenue, and increase sales performance. Sales Navigator also guides you in targeting the right buyers, highlights key signals such as job changes or which accounts you should prioritize, and uncovers hidden hot prospects so you can find those buyers that are most likely to convert. Fueled by LinkedIn's 1 billion member platform, Sales Navigator gives you the most up-to-date first-party data, enabling you to unlock conversations with the people that matter. Right now, you can try LinkedIn Sales Navigator and get a 60-day free trial at linkedin.com slash halftime report. That is linkedin.com slash halftime report for a 60-day free trial. 
Let LinkedIn Sales Navigator help you sell like a superstar today. Just go to linkedin.com slash halftime report and get started. Take a look at shares of Starbucks today. All-time high, now the top pick at Atlantic Equities. The firm reiterating its overweight rating. They say Starbucks is well-positioned for the improving consumer economy, which Josh Brown has been telling you for, I don't know, as long as I can remember. Right, Josh? Yeah, well, I bought it during the panic about a year ago, and I've been pounding my fist on the table ever since. If anyone thought that Americans were going to stop drinking coffee because there was a pandemic, they kind of got things backwards. The question on Starbucks was always, how affected are their locations by a prolonged reopening? And the answer is very. But I heard Stephanie make this point earlier in the show about a, uh, about uh, about some, you know a headwind becoming a tailwind. That's what you're going to see happen here as people run out. And Starbucks is one of these companies that is also doing everything right in China, in addition to all the transformation they've been doing here in the U.S., including closing stores or even shrinking them. So this is a company where life gave them uh, lemons. They made lemonade. The lemonade happens to cost $4.99, but <laughs> if you're long, you're very happy about that. And uh, again, I'm up massively in this. I have no, I have no intention of getting out. I would trail it if I'm a trader. I would trail it with the 200 day, which is about 92 right now. So if like you, you say, all right, I have a lot of gains. I don't want to give them all up. That's been a pretty reliable place where uh, you made a good sale once the stock is broken below it historically. So look at that 200 day as, as where you would want to manage risk. So, Steph, I'll go to you on that. Right. You like Josh bought it during the quote unquote panic. Right. You bought it last March, but you sold it in the summer. Um, you made a lot of money. Josh is going to keep going. He's going to keep drinking the coffee <laughs> or the Kool-Aid, however you want to look at it. <laughs> Kool-Aid. You think it's too you, you think it's too expensive now. And I see it was it what's it 37 times forward? And that to me is expensive, right? And so I was buying the stock when it fell 40% from its highs back in Hold on, hold on. Step, yeah. make your well, point then and I wanted the, Josh's the, opinion on what you have to say anyway. So Go ahead, Steph. Right, right. This is, these are, I wouldn't say these are exactly trough earnings, but you're definitely on the trough side, right? So I, I completely respect that. But I, I bought the stock when it was down 40% back in March, April, and May. I kind of averaged in, and I made a lot of money, and it went up very far, very fast. So instead, I added to win. And I added to Marriott and I recently added to Vail Resorts and now Best Buy is now my next reopen name. So I have plenty of reopen. I have plenty of China. I mean, 70 percent of Wynn's revenues are Macau. And I don't know if you saw the numbers, but March Macau GGR gross gaming revenues were up 58 percent in March year over year against very easy comparisons. But I like that kind of story. Right. So I'm not saying that Starbucks is a bad story. I'm not saying it's a bad stock. It is expensive. Um, I'm not sure how much operating leverage you have versus the other names that I own at Understood. this point. All right. Wynn, by the way, was upgraded today at Argus, and the price target was raised there yeah. to $160. I know you own Wynn calls as well, Doc, and I'll give you a shot at that in a second. But, Josh, just on what Steph said about Starbucks, right, it's a, it's a really good, interesting difference maybe of opinion in the way that you all view a winning stock. And maybe our viewers can learn something from that. So what's your rebuttal, if, if you want to call it that, to what Steph had to say? I don't know if it's so much of a rebuttal. We just have different strategies. I wait for a stock to give me a reason to sell it. And just because it went up is not a sufficient reason. I'm not as focused on 
valuation as she is. I'm way more focused on trend. This is one of the top 50 charts in the entire Russell 3000. I promise you, you can go, you can go scan the entire market. You won't find a, a, a very many uptrends as pristine as this one. So I almost feel like wait for them to give you a reason uh, to not be in it. But that doesn't have to be everybody's strategy. Um, and on earnings, I think they could earn five bucks in, in uh, 2022 or, or 2023. And uh, I think the market will take the stock to 150 before they, they're able to do that. Keep in mind they can raise the dividend. Keep in mind they've committed to keeping the buybacks going and shrinking the, the float. So I think it's reasonable given how well they're operating. Again, there have been chances to buy it cheaper. I, I, I concede. And Stephanie and I both did that. The difference is I'm willing to hold it despite the fact that it's gone up in valuation because I think it's actually gone up in innovation and momentum. Got you. Doc, real quick, win. Give me something on win. Mm-hmm. All right, uh, Scott, it's up 78% since the election. This one's been on fire. Of course, the vaccinations are the biggest reason, but we're doing a conference out in Vegas, 1,000 people coming, can't get enough rooms. We could do double that. That's how big Vegas is raging right now, and it's only going to be bigger as we go into the fall and more of us are vaccinated, Scott. So I think this one's one you hold for a long time. I appreciate that, Doc. We'll come back to you in a moment because John's got unusual activity coming up, and we'll do it next on The Half. All right, John, unusual. What do you have for us today? Charge point, Judge. Uh, You know, we were talking EVs back and forth because of all the great news out of General Motors. Well, charge point, that's what they do, charging stations. Uh, At the money calls, the stock's $29.75. They're buying the April 30s that expire this Friday. I bought those, Judge, and I'll probably be in them two to three days. Second one, Walmart. Take a look at the 150 strike out in May. This stock is about 140. So in other words, they see $10 of upside. I bought a lower strike. I bought the 140s and sold the upside calls. I'll probably be in those about a full month, Scott. Love both of these trades. All right, good stuff, Doc. Thank you very much. We are ready to answer your questions now. Or next, email us, askhalftime at cnbc.com, and we'll do it next. All right, let's answer your questions now. First up, Surat, I come to you from Jason in Toronto. What are your thoughts on Visa? Uh, I like Visa here. I like all the payments, of Visa, MasterCard, PayPal. Uh, these are secular growth uh, companies that are going to grow for the next few years, not just quarters. So I would hold it and buy it on dips. Okay, Josh Brown, next to you is a question from Twitter from GMO. Let's keep talking about inflation running hot. Forgive me looking over at my computer screen, but I'm reading it off of this. Let's talk about Barrett Gold. I'm long and strong. It has a clean balance sheet with a possible special dividend. 18-month price target of 35 to 40. What do you say? Sounds like he already has a pretty good idea. <laughs> pretty good idea. Josh? I mean, I don't, if, if, if gold miners didn't work in the last year, I don't understand in what environment they would ever work. You literally just had the biggest growth in the money supply in the history of the galaxy, and these stocks sucked. They always suck. Uh, the GDX gold miner ETF has sucked since inception. From 06 through today, it's almost 15 full years. It's down 7%. The S&P 500 in that time has tripled. You really could have made money, more money in a savings account. Um, so I'm not a fan. Anytime I buy a gold miner, it's always an accident. I always regret it uh, sometime afterward. And uh, may God have mercy on your soul. (laughs) 
right. Uh, John, no, I'm Nigerian. sure it's fine. I'm sure it's fine. Yeah, I'm sure. I'm sure. I'm sure. Thanks for the recommendation. It sounds like you're all, all behind it. Uh, Doc, a video question for you. Let's let's see. Hi, this is Steve Wegman from San Diego. I'd like to know what's up with Rocket Mortgage. It's an industry leader and appears to be undervalued. Thank you. Well, thank you for the question. Appreciate it. What's the answer, Doc? Well, uh, I think it is undervalued, Scott. And uh, obviously, it had a tremendous short interest that helped carry it over $40 a share at the uh, beginning of March. Um, now, a month later, it's back down here at 22. They just pushed a block of uh, 20 million shares out last week at about 25. So now would be a great time, I think, to accumulate this one down here at 22 to 23 dollars a share. Okay, nice little move for that one as well. RKT up two and two thirds percent. We'll take a break. We'll come back. We'll do final trades next. Got a question for the halftime investment committee? If you want to send us a video, we could play it on air. Email us askhalftime at cnbc.com. It's that time again for Final Trades. Stephanie Link, start us off, please. A new name I uh, a new name I don't own, Anaplan. It's financial planning in the cloud. It's down 20% year-to-date, but they had a great quarter where billings grew 300 basis points sequentially and net revenue retention up 100 basis points sequentially. So it is on my radar screen, especially down 20%. All right. Well, it may be a little bit more expensive now that you mentioned it on your radar screen, but that's neither here nor there. John, John <laughs> Nigerian, what's your final trade and why? L-U-M-N, Scott, Lumen. Um, they've got a deal with VMware. This is CenturyLink. For those familiar with that brand, I love the technology side of their business. Bought it during the show. All right. Oh, during the show. Okay, interesting. Josh Brown. Yes, sir. Staying long GM, Judge. Okay, thank you for that. Nice life jacket. Surratt? Uh, Morgan Stanley, the headwinds of... Morgan Stanley? Uh, Morgan Stanley, the head... Yeah, the headwinds of last year are going to be tailwinds with right. the asset managed business, right, Advance E-Trade. All right, good stuff. Good to see everybody. You've been listening to CNBC's Halftime Report, the podcast. You can always catch us live weekdays at 12 Eastern, only on CNBC. Imagine earning a degree that prepares you with real skills for the real world. Capella University's programs teach skills relevant to your career so you can apply what you learn right away. Learn how Capella can make a difference in your life at capella.edu.